This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This is Let Me Tell You. Now, here's Joan Hamburg. I'm Joan Hamburg, and I'm inviting you to join our podcast, Let Me Tell You. My radio husband is coming to visit. He's the perfect husband. He says, hello, we have a good conversation, and then he goes home. Wouldn't you like to have that? Anyway, he's always entertaining, he's always fun, and he has the best food news anyone has. He's a real foodie, probably one of the best in the city. The one and only Arthur Schwartz. Arthur, I'm so happy to hear your voice, and you sound great, and I always like to know what's going on in Arthurland. Much, Joan. <laughs> you know, there's always something. Well, I, you know, I started out in life with cooking being my hobby, and it looks like I'm ending life with cooking being my <laughs> hobby. Um, so I don't mind, although there are days where I really do want to be served and have somebody else clean the kitchen. This is my yes. mother's line. I totally understand my mother's attitude now. You know, that which was that we're not going to eat any better necessarily out of the house, but I'm not doing dishes again. And I, I understand. Blah, blah. We all understand this. So, and I want to be served. That was another thing. And I totally understand that, too. Mm. And I don't have to go to a fancy restaurant. But speaking of fancy restaurants, big discussion here. Um, what? With about fancy restaurants, you know, this Noma, this place in uh, wherever yeah, the Denmark Scandinavian was, you know, that to me that was not a fine dining. That was insane dining, <laughs> and I had no interest in it. But I did walk into a neighborhood restaurant the other day uh, with Shana. By the way, um, I, I, we were talking about Shana before. We yeah, got Roseanne Shana, Gold's Shana is my, my friend Roseanne Gold and Michael Whiteman's daughter. Anyway, uh, we went with Shana uh, to a place that pre-COVID, I you know would frequent. Uh, you know, not not regularly, but you know, like if I wanted to go do a fine dining, as Bob calls it, the only adult dining experience in Brooklyn. No, that's <laughs> not true. Not in Brooklyn, but in Park Slope. So we went the other night, and it's called Stone Park Cafe. And I walk in, and they have tablecloths on the table, Joan. Do you know how novel that is? Oh, now? of course. White that they call it white tablecloth restaurants, like it's something and <laughs> extraordinary. They don't, they don't have a coat check or a coat room. And we were three at a table for four, so both Shana and Bob decided this is going to be the coat chair. You know that. Uh -huh. And I was wearing, I don't know, for a change, I was wearing really a big coat. And uh, as soon as I took it off, uh, the, the maitre d' came over to me and says, well, I have a hook for that coat if you'd like, sir. So anyway, that to me is fine dining. But back <laughs> to what I wanted to kvetch about. Yes. You know, I always have a kvetch of the week. Of course. Yeah. I do my own radio show on an NPR affiliate called Robin Hood Radio. And I'll probably kvetch about this 
there also, but you'll get it first. I just the other day read somewhere or saw somewhere that Barney Greengrass, the Upper West Side Again, appetizing store. Thank you, Joan. It's an appetizing what? store. It's not yeah. a delicatessen. Oh no! So it, Why would you voted think it the best deli in New York? And it that's ridiculous. But this is it, Joan. I knew that you would get it. Because we may be the two, only two people left in New York who remember the word appetizing. So I want to explain to everybody that true, a delicatessen, certainly a Jewish delicatessen, there were other kinds of delicatessens, like mainly German delicatessens uh-huh. in the old days. But a, a Jewish delicatessen served only meat and the things that you could eat with meat, because they were abiding by the Jewish dietary laws, the kashrut, or kosher laws. So in kosher, you can't mix dairy, meaning products that come from milk, uh, butter, things like that, cheese. You can't mix dairy with meat. So we had separate stores for the dairy, and the dairy included, by the way, fish. So to get smoked salmon, or in the old days it was lox, it wasn't smoked so much, it was as, as salt cured, mm-hmm. uh, uh, white fish, smoked, you know, chubs, uh, sturgeon, all those things, we would go to a store called an appetizing store. I think the word is now obsolete, Joan. That's funny said, because... When, you know, the store that you mentioned is one of the great stores in New Barney York City. Greengrass. Right. And I always grew up appetizing. And yeah. then Sables, he used to be one of the counter guys, Danny, at Zabar's. He opened his own. And it's oh, an appetizing that. store. Yes. It's, now, Zabar's may still call it an appetizing department. Do they? I don't know. I, I think they do. ages. They may, but it is really, it, it's an obsolete word. I mean, there aren't many people who know this word. If I said, you know, you'll go to the appetizing store, they'll say, what are you talking about? But they, so, and also it, it's all mixed up now. For instance, um, Shelly Fireman, my friend Shelly. Yes, you, the restaurateur. Yeah. Yes, restaurateur, uh, Brooklyn Diner, uh, Tavolo, uh, I mean, Trattoria dell'Arte, the Red Eye Grill. Uh, I could go on there a couple more. But anyway, during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, Shelley, who's got a lot of nerve, opened a delicatessen on 57th Street. Now, it's a, it, it has Jewishy food, meaning it has... You know, corned beef, pastrami. They make Reuben sandwiches, which are totally not kosher. Right. Just for think, I mean, people think, oh, a corned beef with Russian dressing and blah, blah, blah. Sauerkraut is, is a Jewish thing. It wasn't. It has Swiss cheese on it. The the Reuben, even Reuben's, the delicate, the famous old delicatessen. Yeah, I remember that apple ago. pancakes, the best. Yeah, the hour. I can make the apple pancakes. Oh, I love them. I, the recipe is in my book, New York City Food. You're Arthur kidding. Schwartz's New York City Food. No, it ha, it's not an easy thing to make, that apple pancake. Why? Because it, it's supposed to be very large. Right. And flipping that thing back and forth is, is a, an, if not an art, it's at least a craft. It's a technique you have to practice a little. Hmm. I, I'm out of practice, but I'm happy to try making one for you. Okay. Anyway, the Reuben sandwich was not invented at Reuben's. 
Uh, it was adapted uh, by Rubens because it became popular. Anyway, Shelley mixes – now, Shelley, who I know knows better, but is also very market-driven, he's combined, you know, uh, bagels with cream cheese and lox and along with is. a pastrami sandwich. But that was never the case, you know, and I don't mind it happening. I understand uh, many secular Jews eat that way, and certainly mm-hmm. the tourists do, who are going to 57th Street. Um, but anyway, so I'm on a warpath. Uh, uh, by the way, I started this years ago, um, and in fact, I think it's even in the, also in New York City food. I'm trying to debunk that whole thing that there's such a thing as a gourmet deli. You know, all these these little grocery stores that have a counter that make sandwiches. They call themselves gourmet, gourmet belly. I know. I know. I mean, it really kills me. But I, I mean, I, I lost that battle for sure. And then these delis, these supposed delis, are all over the place. And uh, you mean in every neighborhood, there's some kind of uh, right down the street from me. There's a place that calls itself a deli. What do they but, serve? It's a grocery store with a sandwich counter. That's yeah. all it is. That's what they mostly are. Anyway, I miss appetizing stores, um, and I miss – see, this is another thing that's disappeared, Joan, bagel bakeries. There Nowadays, are a few left. young people want to go to a bagel cafe, meaning they want to get a bagel with stuff on it and sit at a table and eat it. Uh-huh. And I, my favorite bagel bakery – is here in Park Slope. As soon as I moved to Park Slope, 25, it's 25 years, Joan, mm. 25 years ago, a neighbor told me that this is the big in the city, but I'm not allowed to talk about it on the radio. So, so was for, it? For a number of years, I never talked about it. Then I talk about it. It's called the Bagel Hole. Be- bagel Hole, H-O-L-E. But it is only a bagel bakery. I mean, they sell cream cheese. They sell... Uh, Sides. Locks, but they don't carve it for you. It's in packaged. Mm-hmm. It's all in a, in a refrigerated case. The may the cream cheese isn't because you can go in there and get a bagel with a schmear and a cup of coffee, and then you walk out. And I don't know where you eat it, but, but me, you I'm, in the, me I'm in the car, so I could eat it in the car. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, but you know, you buy your bagels here—six bagels, a dozen bagels, whatever it is—and you take them home. It's a, it's bread after all. Mm-hmm. But I've read criticisms of this place. Not based on the quality of the bagel, but on the fact that you can't sit at a table and eat it. So people have an expectation these days for a bagel cafe. They don't get that there are places that just bake the bagels for you. Um, By the way, you know, we think that bagels and lox is sort of uber traditional. But 25 years, 20 years ago, I forget how many years ago. I interviewed one of the daughters, as in Russ and Daughters. Yeah. She was then in her early 90s living in Florida. And we talked about bagels and lox and cream cheese because I assumed that was a big deal at Russ and Daughters in the old days. But it wasn't. She explained to me that bagels, they didn't even carry bagels until the 1930s. Um, because they, what they sold was, you'll remember this, Joan, cornbread, that's disappeared. Remember oh, my Jewish? gosh. I do or washes, the <sighs> wonderful bakery. 
Did they still make one? They make it. They I do. know they do, but it's not the same because um, uh, the taste has changed too. I'm not sure. Just like with bagels, I like bagel hole, and some people tell me I'm crazy because they're smallish bagels and they're chewy bagels, and you 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 never toast them the first day, and you don't toast these bagels until the second day, or you can reheat them though. Anyway. The same thing with um, uh, what were we talking about? Bagels. Now before bagels. And cream cheese. Oh, no, the sour rye. So Americans, at least New Yorkers, want a fluffier bagel than is traditional or was traditional. And it's the same with, you know, with everything. Tastes change. And that sour, it was a sourdough rye bread. Very damp. That was a, I, th- I thought one mm. of its uh, virtues, but apparently that sour flavor is not today's taste. Here's another one that's not to today's taste. I buy rye bread at a kosher bakery in Midwood, and I once said uh, Isaac's, it's called, and I once said to Mr. Isaac's, who I'm friendly with, his name we have the same name Avram, so uh-huh. Avi and I talk. Anyway, I said, why can't you make a seeded rice? Nobody wants to buy seeded rye bread anymore. Why? But the, nobody has the taste for caraway seeds, apparently. Oh, Although the ore, washers, the ore washers rye bread, which I do buy because they sell it right around the corner from me in, in, the, in the fancy supermarket. They have a bread department. And the ore washers rye bread is very good rye bread, but it has, for me, it has too many caraway seeds. Mm. And when I, I bought one not long, too long ago, and I said, you know, maybe Mr. Isaacs is right. Maybe our taste is, uh, we're losing our taste for caraway seeds. You know, I love that. But what I find, and you should, can tell me, if, and it's only me now, so if I buy a bread or some places you can get half, you know. Yeah, yeah. What do you do after you have a little? Because it starts getting stale after the first day or two. You put it in the I, freezer. I, I understand. The... Well, as far you know, I don't buy rye bread very often. When I do buy it, it's because we're having something with other people, and I don't know. You can always freeze it. I mean, uh-huh. bread freezes very well. But I buy, um, you know, there's a bakery down. I think it's in Soho. I don't go there to buy it, but it's called Grand Daisy. Oh, they, that's, yeah. Well, that's I a think famous she, bakery. Yeah, well, she's an acolyte of, uh, what's his name, Jim Leahy at Sullivan Street Bakery. Uh-huh. I don't know any of this, but Roseanne told me this the other day. Anyway, point is, uh, I buy this Grand Daisy whole wheat bread, which she calls by the Italian name Integrale. And we we rarely can finish a loaf of this, even though it does last days. Really? You know, and it's good? No, it's terrific. Okay. And But, but when it, when it's got a little far gone, I dry it out and make breadcrumbs with it. It's oh. a good bread for making breadcrumbs, even though it's a whole wheat bread. Not every whole wheat bread is good for breadcrumbs. This one is. Um, so, and I always need breadcrumbs. In fact, yeah. I make, I'm going to make something this weekend. What? With because uh, oh, we're having some friends for lunch on Sunday. What are you cooking? And I needed to make my life easy. Here's something I do, just for the two of us even. Um, a pound, let's say a pound of mushrooms, plain old, you can use plain old, you know, white mushrooms. Okay. Which, uh, by the way, I don't know why, but they've been on sale a lot lately. So you can really make a big mess of mushrooms for 
no cost. It's a good time to make cream of mushroom soup. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I slice up the mushrooms. Uh, I, first, I put a, a, just a skimming of olive oil in the bottom of my black iron skillet. Then I put the mushrooms in, uh, and I toss them with, and I put on a little more oil, and I toss them with the oil, and then I put on top a mixture of breadcrumbs, uh, chopped parsley, chopped garlic, and a little pecorino romano and a little salt and pepper. After and I put the seasoned breadcrumbs on top of the mushrooms, put them in a very hot oven, like a 450-degree oven, for 15, 20 minutes, and that's that. But wait, have you already sautéed the mushrooms no, on top? Cook, no, no, no. You I just put them in the pan. You just haven't put cooked them. put them in the oven, right. Just baked mushrooms with crumbs on top. Usually, they're, they're done in 20 minutes. At, you know, in a 400, 450 degree oven. Mm. So my, 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 and and you get this. If you serve them right away, you get all that wonderful crispy breadcrumbs on top. I love that. Um, if you if you you if you make them ahead, the the crumbs are still delicious, but they're not going to be so crisp. I guess you. I never do this, but I guess if if you want to make them ahead, you can run it under the broiler for a minute. Yeah, probably better the just way to, you just do it. Just but I like the I, I I like the crumbs when they're not crisp. This mm-hmm. is very. I mean, you know, I'm using a lot of seasoning here. If you don't have fresh parsley, you can use oregano. It sounds delicious. It is that. And by the way, those crumbs can be used on so many things. Uh, I make shrimp that way with those crumbs. So uh, just, what do you, you put the raw shrimp or what? Put the raw shrimp in a pan in one layer. Are they be- all peeled? Be- peeled. Peeled. You, you yeah. take the skin off or your, uh, the I shell the, off? I peel them. I like okay. bigger shrimp, mm-hmm. but it depends on how the size of the shrimp, how long we're going to be in the oven. And you put the crumbs on top. Um, as I said, I make uh, the base is uh, breadcrumbs. And then let's say for a quarter of a cup of breadcrumbs, one clove of garlic, uh, a, a big a heaping tablespoon of chopped parsley, uh, a, let's say a, a tablespoon of cheese, a uh, big pinch or two of salt. Depends on how salty you like things. I like things salty. And that's it. Pepper, some rinds of pepper. Mm. Yeah, it's, and I use that a lot. So on top of shrimp, it's great. Um, I oh, Here's one. Um, my friend who's coming for lunch on Sunday doesn't eat sweet peppers. Um, so I, I would do this on sweet peppers, but if you, uh, each pepper, cut it into a, a third or quarters, you know, without the core, without right. the seeds, and put them on a, on a greased baking sheet or even on a parchment line baking mm-hmm. sheet, um, with the inside up and put your breadcrumbs on top of the, each piece of pepper and put it in a hot oven until, the pepper gets a little charred at the edges, and the crumbs get crisp. That's it. I like that. What are you going to give And then you serve him? at room temperature. And by the way, you do can do exactly the same thing with slices. I would slice the long way, slices of zucchini. Mm, that you really know. sounds good. So what is your main course for him? Well, it's under debate at the moment. But What do you consider? Bob always wants me to make amatriciana and, I, you know, pasta. And it's our carb day. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to know we're having? We're going to have a bunch of vegetables for lunch. I'm also making some other vegetables. You know, we're going to have a bunch of vegetables, not all with crumbs. And then we're going to have a pasta that has um, pancetta in the sauce, which would be amatriciana. Uh, sounds good. It is. And then for dessert, 
we don't have a big deal dessert. I'm not into big deal dessert mm-hmm. necessarily. But Roseanne bakes this uh, cake, my friend Roseanne Gold. Um, she makes one every week. It's called a Venetian wine cake. I think you've had it. She's had bakeries. Does she make it with olive oil? Yes, it's an olive oil cake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, when the cake, if she doesn't finish the cake in a week, or maybe sometimes the quality is not exactly what she wants, she slices it thin and makes biscotti with it. That's interesting. It's no, it's delicious too. I must say, Mm -hmm. and they stay, they keep. So she brought me a piece of her cake uh, last week. I knew it wasn't going to last until this Sunday and stay nice. Um, So I made biscotti. So we have Roseanne's wine cake biscotti. And I'm just going to make a fruit dessert. I mean, just maybe even, we haven't had our winter fruit salad yet this winter. That sounds good. And, you know, I've been poaching a lot of pears. The pears are nice in the market. Yes, we eat them right at, you know, just like that. I don't want to... I don't use sugar. You so. don't need them. They're so good. But I what put are you them, poaching them in? I poach them in um, a little red wine. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I use some kind of juice and a little red wine and cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. And you can either do them you on know, top. I'm going to play with that. So, But I bake them. Ah, and they are okay. so good. And the oh, pears, you I get mean. the big, the green ones, and they are really delicious. I peel them halfway down, and like they're sort apple. of irresistible. Do you core them? I core them, and I use a little orange juice, a little red wine, a cinnamon stick, no sugar, and I stick them in the oven and bake them, and they just get all melty. Oh, and... that's delicious. I'm going to try that, Joan. And the pears are nice now. Yeah, no, we had some wonderful Anjou pears. Those That's a sort of roundish green pear. And mm-hmm. they have to be, you know, remember, folks, pears ripen off the tree, like bananas ripen off the right. tree. <laughs> so you, when you buy a pear, don't expect it to be edible that day we waited three days for these pears and i think we probably could have waited a fourth day and it would have been even better but after three days on the kitchen counter they were the first i I always try one the day after i buy it i did Mm -hmm. and it was you know it was hard and it wasn't sweet and blah blah no you gotta let it so you gotta let it sit for a while and be patient well, it sounds good, Arthur. I we bake baked apples. I'm not yeah, baking baked do that apples too. out of it, but I make a lot of baked apples. And I did try, speaking of baked pears, I may have to communicate with Jacques Pepin because many years ago, I used to make a baked pear recipe from him. It was, um, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, baked pears in, in cream. Wow. And since on keto, you can eat a lot of cream. Um, I tried doing it. It uh, didn't work out so well. I, I thought it was in a book of his called Everyday Cooking or something but. like that, but it wasn't in that book. could have sworn that's where I got it from. But, you know, Jacques Pepin is on on uh, Facebook almost every day with a little cooking lesson. He's oh, terrific. that's good. I never saw that. I'm going to Oh, yeah. He's the, he's the best thing on my Facebook mm. feed. And I mean, I don't always love everything he makes, like 
I think yesterday or today he was making some kind of casserole using canned string beans and cream of mushroom soup, which I was shocked. Oh my me. gosh, our it old was, recipes from it, youth. It was a different one, but still, uh, with rice this was. Anyway, I, I but most of the time, here's something that I make of his sort of regularly now. I make a, a gratin of hard-cooked um, eggs in a little bechamel with uh, wow. a couple of mushrooms thrown in. Um, you can look that up online. Yeah, I'm going to check. Yeah, anyway, no, Jacques, Arturo. Jacques is terrific. So we, I got to go. You got to go. Got to go, but I'll talk to you very soon. Love I to Bob. So. Take care. You too. Lots of love. Bye-bye. I'm Joan Hamburg, and that's my radio husband, Arthur Schwartz. Don't you wish you lived in his house? All that wonderful food and all the things he knows. It's such a treat. Thank you, Arthur. 